Chapter six of With Clive in India. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gary Oldman. Chapter six The Arrival of Clive. I have nearly brought down the story to the present time, Mr. Johnson said. One event has taken place, however, which was of importance. Muzaffar Jung set out for Hyderabad, accompanied by a French contingent under Bussy. On the way, the chiefs who had conspired against Nazir Jung mutinied against his successor. Muzaffar charged them with his cavalry. Two of the three chief conspirators were killed, and while pursuing the third, Muzaffar was himself killed. Bussy at once released from confinement a son of Nazir Jung, proclaimed him Subadar of the Deccan, escorted him to Hyder to Hyderabad and received from him the succession of considerable fresh grants of territory to the French. The latter were now everywhere triumphant, and the Tri-Chinopoli and Tanjore were, with the three towns held by the English, the sole places which resisted their authority. Muhammad Ali, deeming further resistance hopeless, had already opened negotiations with Duplex for the surrender of Tri-Chinopoli, Duplex agreed to his conditions, but when Muhammad Ali found that Count Bussi, with the flower of the French force, had been dispatched to Hyderabad, he gained time by raising fresh demands which would require the ratification of the Subadar. Luckily for us, Mr. Floyer had been recalled and his place taken by Mr. Sanders, who is, everyone says, a man of common sense and determination, Muhammad Ali urged upon him the necessity for the English to make common cause with him against the enemy, for if Trichinopoli fell, it would be absolutely impossible for the English to resist the French and their allies. Early this year, when Mr. Saunders assured him that he should be assisted with all our strength, and Muhammad Ali thereupon broke off the negotiations with the French. Most unfortunate for us major lawrence had gone home to england on sick leave captain gingen who now commands our troops is a wretched substitute for him captain cope is no better early this year mr saunders sent cope with two hundred and eighty english and three hundred sepoys to try kinnipoli benefiting by the delay which was caused before duplex owing to the absence of his best troops in hyderabad could collect an army. Cope laid siege to Badura, but was defeated and had to abandon his guns. Three thousand of Muhammad Ali's native troops thereupon deserted to the enemy. The cause of the English now appeared lost. Duplex planted the white flags, emblems of the authority of France, in the fields within sight of Fort St. David, with immense efforts. Mr. Saunders put into the field five hundred English troops, a thousand sepoys, a hundred Africans, and eight guns, under the command of Captain Gingen, whose orders were to follow the movements of the army with which Diotil and Chundra Sahib were marching against Trichinopoli. Luckily, Chandra Sahib, instead of doing so at once, moved northward to confirm his authority in the towns of North and South Arcot, and to raise additional levies. Great delay was caused by this. 
On arriving before the important fortress of Valconda, Chanda Saab found before it the troops of Captain Gingen, who had been reinforced by 1,600 troops from Trichinopoli. The governor of the place, not knowing which party was the stronger, refused to yield to either, and for a fortnight the armies lay at a short distance from each other. Near the fortress, with whose governor both continued their negotiations. Gingen then lost patience and attacked the place, but was repulsed, and the governor at once admitted the French within the fortress. The next day the main body of the French attacked us, the guns of the fortress opening fire upon us at the same time. Our men, a great portion of whom were recruits just joined from England, fell into a panic and bolted abandoning their allies and leaving their guns ammunition and stores in the hands of the enemy luckily the ortel was laid up with gout if he had pressed on there remained only the two or three hundred men on a cope to offer the slightest resistance trichinopoli must have fallen at once and we without a hundred soldiers here should have had nothing to do but pack up and go as it was gingen's beaten men were allowed to retreat quietly towards Trichinopoli. The next day D'Ortil was better, and followed in pursuit, and Gingen had the greatest difficulty in reaching Trichinopoli. There, at the present moment, we lie shut up, a portion of our force only remaining outside the walls. The place itself is strong. The town lies round the soft rock on which stands the fortress, which commands the country, for some distance round. Still, there is no question that the French could take it, if they attacked it. Our men are utterly dispirited with defeat. Cope and Gingen had neither enterprise nor talent. At present, the enemy, who are now under the command of Colonel Law, who has succeeded the Ortil, are contenting themselves with beleaguering the place. But, as we have no troops whatever, to send to its rescue, and Muhammad Ali has no friends elsewhere to whom to look for aid, it is a matter of absolute certainty that the place must fall, and then Duplex will only have to request us to leave, and we shall have nothing else to do but to go at once. So I should advise you not to trouble yourself to unpack your luggage, for in all probability another fortnight will see us on board ship. There, that's a tremendous long yarn, I've been telling you, and not a pleasant one. It's a history of defeat, loss of prestige, and position. We have been out-fought and out-diplomized, and have made a mess of everything we put our hand to. I should think you must be tired of it. I am. I haven't done so much talking for years. Charlie and Peters thanked their new acquaintance warmly for the pains he had taken in explaining the various circumstances and events which had led to the present unfortunate position, and Charlie asked as they stood up to say good night to Mr. Johnson, what has become of Clive all this time? After the conquest of Devacota, Mr. Johnson said, the civilians in the service were called back to their posts, but to show that they recognized his services, the authorities allowed Clive to attain the rank of captain, which would have been bestowed upon him had he remained in the military service and they appointed him commissary to the army, a post which would take him away from the office work he hated. Almost directly afterwards, he got a bad attack of fever and was forced to take a cruise in the Bay of Bingo. 
he came back in time to go with gingern's force but after the defeat at valconda he resigned his office i suppose in disgust and returned to fort st david in july some of the company's ships came in with some reinforcements there were no military officers left at fort st david so mr pigot a member of the council started with a large convoy of stores escorted by eighty english and three hundred sepoys clive volunteered to accompany them they had to march thirty or forty miles to verdachium a town close to the frontier of tanjore through which the convoy to Trichinopoly would be able to pass unopposed but the intervening country was hostile to the english however the convoy passed unmolested and after seeing it safely to the point pigo and clive set out to return with an escort of twelve sepoys they were at once attacked and for miles a heavy fire was kept up on them seven of the escort were killed the rest reached fort st david in safety pigot's report of clive's conduct strengthened by that previously made by major lawrence induced the authorities to transfer him permanently to the army he received a commission as captain and was sent off with a small detachment remaining at st david's to devakota there he placed himself under captain clark who commanded and the whole body numbering altogether a hundred english fifty sepoys with a small field piece marched up to trichinopoly and i hear managed to make its way in safety he got in about a month ago and what force have we all together here and at st david's in case trichinopoly falls what with the detachment that came with you and the two others which arrived about ten days back we have altogether about three hundred and fifty men what on earth could these do against all the force of the nawab and the subador and three or four thousand french troops the prospect certainly seemed gloomy to the extreme and the young writers retired to their bed on this the first night of their arrival in india with the conviction that circumstances were in a desperate position the next day they set to work and at its end agreed that they should bear the loss of their situations and their expulsion from the country with more than resignation it was now august the heat was terrible and as they sat in their shirt-sleeves at their desks bathed in perspiration at their work of copying invoices they felt that any possible change of circumstances would be for the better the next day and the next still further confirmed these ideas the nights were nearly as hot as the days tormented by mosquitoes they tossed restlessly in their bed for hours dozing off towards morning and awaking unrefreshed and worn out when released from work at the end of the third day charlie and peter strolled down together to the beach and bewailed their hard fate there are two ships coming from the south charlie said presently i wonder whether they're from england or fort st david which do you hope they will be peter said i hope they're from st david's charlie answered even if they made a quick voyage they couldn't have left england many weeks after us and although i should be glad to get news from home i am still more anxious just at present for news from st david's between ourselves i long to hear of the fall of trichinopoly everyone says it is certain to take place before long and the sooner it does 
the sooner we shall be out of this frightful place after dinner they again went down to the beach and were joined by dr ray who chatted with them as to the ships which were now just anchoring these had already signalled that they were from st david's and that they had on board mr sanders the governor and a detachment of troops already the soldiers from the lizzie anderson aided by a number of the natives were at work pitching tents in the fort for the reception of the newcomers and conjecture was busy on shore among the civilians as to the object of bringing troops from st david's to madras that is directly away from the scene of the action it is one of two things dr ray said either tricanopoly has surrendered and they are evacuating fort st david or they have news that the nawab is marching to attack us here i should think it to be the latter for fort st david is a great deal stronger than this place though the french did strengthen it during their stay here if then the authorities have determined to abandon one of the two towns and to concentrate all their force for the defence of the other i should have thought they would have held on to st david's there is a boat being lowered from one of the ships so we shall soon have news a signal from the ship announced that the governor was about to land and the principal person at the factory assembled on the beach to receive him dr ray and two young riders stood a short distance from the party as the boat was beached mr sanders sprang out and surrounded by those assembled to meet him walked at once towards the factory an officer got out from the boat and superintended the debarkation of the baggage which a number of coolies at once placed on their heads and carried away the officer was following him when his eye fell upon dr ray ah doctor he said how are you when did you get out again from england only three or four days since captain clive i did not recognize you at first i am glad to see you again yes i have cast my slow captain clive said laughing and have thank god exchanged my pen for a sword for good you were able to fight though as a civilian dr ray said laughingly yes we have had some tough fighting behind the ramparts of st david's and in the trenches before pondicherry but we shall have sharper work still before us or i am mistaken what are they going to attack us here dr ray exclaimed oh no just the other way captain clive said we are going to carry the war into their quarters it is a secret yet must not go further and he included the two riders in his look these are two fresh comers captain clive they come out in the same ship with me this is mr marriott and this mr peters they are both brave young gentlemen and had an opportunity of proving it on the way out for we were twice engaged the first time with privateers the second a very sharp affair with pirates that ship lying off there is a pirate we captured aha captain clive said looking keenly at the lads well young gentlemen and how do you like what you have seen of your life here we hate it sir charlie said we would both of us a thousand times rather enlist under you as private soldiers oh sir as if there is any expedition going to take place do you think there is a chance of our being allowed to go as volunteers i will see about it captain clive said smiling trade must be dull enough here at present and we want every hand that can hold a sword or a musket in the field 
you are sure you can recommend them he said turning to dr ray with a smile most warmly the doctor said they both showed great coolness and courage in the affairs i spoke of have you any surgeons with you captain clive if not i hope that i shall go with any expedition that will take place the doctor here is just recovering from an attack of fever and will not be fit for weeks for the fatigues of active service may i ask who is to command the expedition i am clive said quietly you may well look surprised that an officer who has but just joined should have been selected but in fact there is no one else cope and gingin are both the trichinopoly and even if they were not he paused and a shrug of the shoulders expressed his meaning clearly mr saunders is good enough to feel some confidence in my capacity and i trust that i shall not disappoint him we are going but this mind is a profound secret till the day we march to attack arcot it is the only possible way of relieving trichinopoly to attack arcot dr ray said astonished that does indeed appear a desperate enterprise with such a small body as you have at your command and these entirely new recruits but i recognize the importance of the enterprise if you should succeed it would draw off chunda sahib from trichinopoly it's a grand idea captain clive a grand idea though i own it seems to me a desperate one in desperate times we must take desperate measures doctor captain clive said now i must be going on after the governor i shall see you tomorrow i will not forget you young gentlemen so saying he proceeded to the factory it was afterwards known that the proposal to effect a diversion by an expedition against arcot was the proposal of clive himself upon arriving in try canopoli he had at once seen that all was lost there the soldiers were utterly dispirited and demoralized they had lost all confidence in themselves and their officers who had also lost confidence in themselves and try canopoli nothing was to be done and it must be either starved out or fall an easy prey should the enemy advance to the assault clive had then after a few days stay made his way out from the town and proceeded to fort st david where he had laid before the governor the proposal which he believed to be the only possible measure which could save the english in india the responsibility thus set before mr saunders was a grave one upon the one hand he was asked to detach half of the already inadequate garrisons of fort st david and madras upon an enterprise which if unsuccessful must be followed by the loss of the british possessions of which he was governor he would have to take this great risk not upon the advice of a tried veteran like lawrence but on that of a young man only a month or two back a civilian and it was to this young man untried in command that the leadership of this desperate enterprise must be entrusted upon the other hand if he refused to take this responsibility the fall of trichinopoly followed by the loss of the three english ports was certain but for this no blame or responsibility could rest upon him many men would have chosen the second alternative but mr saunders had since clive returned seen a good deal of him and had been impressed with a strong sense of his capacity energy and good sense 
mr pigo who had seen clive under the most trying circumstances was also his warm supporter and mr saunders at last determined to adapt clive's plan and to stake the fortunes of the english in india on this desperate venture accordingly leaving a hundred men only at fort st david he decided to carry the remainder to madras and that clive leaving only fifty behind as a garrison there should with the whole available force march upon arcot the next morning as charlie and peters were at breakfast a native entered with a letter from the chief factor to the effect that their services in the office would be dispensed with and that they were in accordance with their request to report themselves to captain clive as volunteers no words can express the joy of the two lads at receiving the intelligence and they created so much noise in the exuberance of their delight that mr johnson came in from the next room to see what was the matter ah he said when he heard the cause of the uproar when i first came out here i should have done the same and should have regarded the certainty of being knocked on the head as cheerfully as you do eight years out here takes the enthusiasm out of a man i shall wait quietly to see whether we are to be transferred to calcutta or shipped back to england a quarter of an hour later charlie and peter joined captain clive at the camp ah he said my young friends i am glad to see you there is plenty for you to do at once we shall march tomorrow and all preparations have to be made you will both have the rank of ensign while you serve with me i have only six other officers two of whom are civilians who like yourselves volunteered at st david's they are of four or five years standing and as they speak the language they will serve with the sepoys under one of my military officers another officer who is also an ensign will take the command of the three guns the europeans are divided into two companies one of you will be attached to each the remaining officer commands both during the day the lads had not a moment to themselves and they were occupied until late at night in superintending the packing of stores and tents and the following morning the twenty sixth of august seventeen fifty one the force marched from madras it consisted of two hundred of the company's english troops three hundred sepoys and three small guns they were led as has been said by eight european officers of whom only clive and another had ever heard a shot fired in action four of the eight being young men in the civil service who had volunteered charlie was glad to find that among the company to which he was appointed was the detachment which had come out with him on board ship and the moment these heard that he was to accompany them as their officer tim Kelly pressed forward and begged that he might be allowed to act as charlie's servant a request which the lad readily complied with the march of the first day was eighteen miles a distance which in such a climate was sufficient to try to the utmost the powers of the young recruits the tents were soon erected and each officer having two or three native servants that number being indispensable in india charlie and peters had one tent between them which was shared by two other officers as the column had moved in the lightest order possible in india sure mr marriott tim kelly said to him confidentially that black heaven of a cook is going to poison you 
I have been watching him, and there he is putting all sorts of outlandish things into the mix. He has been pounding them upon on stones for all the world like an apothecary. Even if he means no mischief, the food isn't fit to set before a dog, let alone a Christian and a gentleman like yourself. If you give the word, sir, I'll knock him over with the butt end of my musket and do the cooking for you myself. I'm afraid the other officers wouldn't agree to that, Tim, Charlie said, laughing. The food isn't so bad as it looks, and I don't think in an apprenticeship among the Irish bogs is likely to have turned you out a first-rate cook. Tim, except, of course, for potatoes. Sure now, Your Honor, I can fry a rasher of bacon with any man. Perhaps you might do that, Tim, but as we've no bacon here, that won't help us. No, we must put up with the cook, and I don't think any of us will be the worse for the dinner. On the morning of the 29th, Clive reached Conjeveran, a town of some size, 42 miles from Madras. Here, Clive gained the first trustworthy intelligence as to Arcot. He found the garrison outnumbered his own force by two to one, and that although the defenses were not in a position to resist an attack by heavy guns, they were capable of being defended against any force not so provided. Clive at once dispatched a messenger to Madras, begging that his two eighteen-pounders might be set after him, and then, without awaiting their coming, he marched forward towards Arcot. End of chapter 6